Tonight, a Christian woman is hunted by Muslim extremists in Pakistan. Why doesn't the world care? It's November 12th, and this is The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. You come here once a year with a sign, and you feel morally superior. The only thing I have to say to the government for why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Asia Bibi is the name of a Christian woman from Pakistan. You don't want to be a Christian woman from Pakistan. They hate Christians there. They riot and violently attack Christians. They kill them. It's a bigoted country. If Pakistan were called Germany and Christians were called Jews, you would see comparisons made to Nazism. Pakistan is an officially bigoted country towards non-Muslims and even to some Muslim sects that they hate like the Ahmadiyya Muslims. Their constitution itself in Pakistan has bigotry hardwired right into it. Anyways, Asia Bibi was harvesting berries and dared to have a religious discussion with her fellow peasants, as in they attacked her for being Christian. They were Muslim and didn't like what she had to say or believe. All right, fair enough. But whereas in normal countries, you can have a political or religious disagreement, and that's that. Well, in Pakistan, they live under medieval laws with medieval customs, including a blasphemy law. So Asia Bibi was prosecuted and convicted of the crime of blasphemy and sentenced to death. I kid you not, sentenced to death for speaking out as a Christian in a normal conversation with people from the religion of peace. Now, her cause created a global outcry of sorts, but not really. I haven't heard anyone at the Oscars or the Grammys or any of the other fancy people take up her case of you. You'd think they would. I mean, she fits the bill. A woman being killed by a bigoted theocracy, sentenced in a kangaroo court, obviously 100% male. Where are all those Handmaid's Tale protesters for her? I'm not sure if Lena Dunham and all the rest of the feminist lovies just didn't see about her case or didn't want to say anything as controversial as, please don't hang a woman just because she's Christian. Or I don't know, maybe they don't mind hanging Christians. Who knows? We should ask Linda Sarsour of the Women's March. There aren't a lot of Christians in politics in Pakistan. The population is about 97% Muslim over there, with about 1.5% Christian. There's some Hindus there too. Well, get out, folks. It's not going to end well. It's not going to get any better. Now, it's easy for me to say, but what if you've been living in a place for centuries in your family? What if it's your ancestral home? Why should you have to move away from your country? Well, to survive, I guess. Egypt used to be a Christian country too. Did you know that? Turkey did too. Istanbul was once Constantinople. Now it's a Muslim country. Why live as a permanently prosecuted, personally, permanently persecuted, abused minority? I don't know. One Christian politician named Shabazz Bati dared to speak up for her while well, he was assassinated. If they can do that to a leading political figure, they can do that to anyone. Now, a couple of weeks ago, on October 31st, to be precise, almost a decade after her conviction, 
the Pakistani Supreme Court claimed it had reviewed details of her conviction and found some discrepancies and noted that Asia Bibi's Muslim colleagues at the berry picking insulted her first for being a Christian. And so that's one reason she'd be uh, let go. You know, it's not even a victory, of course. It's really a loophole to get someone out of jail to stop what little political pressure there was on Pakistan. Well, this bigoted court wasn't bigoted enough for bigoted Pakistan. Check out the protests that met the Supreme Court's acquittal. बंदी हो रही है और आसिया मलगुना को जो रिहा करने का फैसला भी किया और आज तो ये भी सुना हुआ कि भाई उसको रिहा कर दिया करो बैरून मुल्क भेजने की उनके लिए तैयारी भी है और इसके खिलाफ अल्हम्दुलिल्लाह पूरी पाकिस्तान की आवाम जो है वो पर जोश है और निकल चुके हैं और इन शारे खाएंगे and custom and law, the people's court, by that he means the mob. And in fact, the mob got its way. Uh, take a look at this. That handsome fella there is Imran Khan. He's the new prime minister of Pakistan, a former cricket pro in the UK. And that's his lovely bride. I mean, I assume she's lovely. I, I don't really know. Anyways, he's a bit of an Islamist, as you can detect. It won't shock you to learn. And so he cut a deal with an even more Islamist political party to ban Asia Bibi from leaving Pakistan. Just cut a deal, because that's how you do it, I guess. They, they actually put her on a no-fly list. Can you imagine that? This is a terrorist-supporting country. Uh, Pakistan financed them was the home of the Taliban. They're the home of extremists. Um, you saw the thugs outside, and they're putting this little Christian woman on a no-fly list? Oh, the irony. Now, why? Why do they want her to stick around? Well, obviously, so that the mob can finish her off. Since the court said a decade in prison was enough, well, though, you saw the thugs on the street. Now, last week, a news report said this about Asia Bibi. A Lahore-based TV news channel reported that Asia Bibi was released from New Jail for Women in Multan, about 350 kilometers from Lahore, late on Wednesday night, and taken to Nur Khan Air Base, Rawalpindi, from where a chartered plane would take her to the Netherlands. Asia Bibi, a 47-year-old mother of four, was convicted in 2010 after being accused of insulting Islam in a row with her neighbors. She always maintained her innocence, but has spent most of the past eight years in solitary confinement. Imagine that, eight years in solitary confinement. Pakistan is a terrible place. Don't go there and don't bring the terrible parts of Pakistan here. There are a lot of terrible things that, that come from Pakistan. They don't just hate Christian women. They hate women in general. The vast majority of rape gangs in the United Kingdom are Pakistani Muslim men. Don't take it from me. Take it from the Pakistani Muslim Home Secretary of the UK, Sajid Javid. Let me, let me quote what he said in Twitter. 
These sick Asian pedophiles are finally facing justice. I want to commend the bravery of the victims. For too long, they were ignored. Not on my watch. There will be no no-go zones. Asian is how they call Pakistanis over there in the UK. Give credit to Sajid Javid. He's not being politically correct about it. He can speak truthfully because he himself is a Muslim from Pakistani background. Not so here in Canada, though. Ikra Khalid, a Pakistani Muslim woman in our parliament, has one claim to fame, known for only one thing. She's bringing Pakistani-style blasphemy laws into Canada. She introduced a motion called M103, an anti-Islamophobia motion that the Liberals have adopted and are now feverishly working to operationalize. Oh, and she was part of the ceremony in Manitoba to name a public park in Canada after Muhammad Jinnah, the Islamist founder of the modern state of Pakistan. So we're tearing down statues of Sir John A. Macdonald, but we're putting up statues of the bigoted founder of Pakistan. Got it. But back to Asia Bibi, woman, victim, falsely imprisoned, vulnerable, a textbook definition of a refugee. But that report in that Pakistani newspaper, it was contradicted. The uh, authorities denied that Asia Bibi was allowed to leave the country. Hmm. Wouldn't they want to get rid of her? Maybe they're worried she'll become a Christian version of Malala Yousafzai, the young Pakistani woman who was shot for daring to believe women should be able to go to school. Imagine if Asia Bibi were to flee Pakistan and actually have a voice. So will she, will she be freed? Uh, look at this headline. This is from the Telegraph newspaper in London, England. Asia Bibi not offered UK asylum amid concerns of unrest and attacks. But not, they don't mean in Pakistan. Let me read a little bit to you. Britain has not offered asylum to a Pakistani Christian woman freed after eight years on death row for blasphemy because of fear it would prompt unrest in the UK and attacks on embassies, her supporters claim. Asia Bibi and her family had appealed for sanctuary in Britain after her conviction was quashed by Pakistan's Supreme Court. The acquittal of a 53-year-old Catholic farm worker prompted days of demonstrations by hardline Islamist parties in Pakistan who had campaigned for her to be hanged. The mother of five remains hidden in Pakistan after Imran Khan's government agreed to allow a petition against the court decision as part of a deal to halt the protests. A UK campaign group in touch with the family said the British government was working to help Asia Bibi but had stopped short of offering asylum. Now, there's some factual discrepancies in her age and how many kids, but we can all uh, know the fact that she was in prison for eight years for being a Christian. And what does the UK have to say about that? Well, they will offer all assistance right up to the point of actual help. But the reason is obvious. They say so. They, they will have those same mad riots in Pakistan. They will have them in the United Kingdom, too. Of course they will. Look at this drone footage. Look at this footage, and it's not from Pakistan. It's from Birmingham. They're not dressed in British garb. They're dressed like they're still in Pakistan. They're there en masse. Tens of thousands. This is in Birmingham. And obviously not a woman amongst them. Do you think Theresa May would risk Pakistani riots in her lovely Britain? Oh, she'll throw Tommy Robinson in prison. That's easy. What's he going to do, riot? Try throwing 100,000 Pakistani British rioters in prison. There aren't enough prison cells. So best keep out Asia Bibi.
I mean, that whole Salman Rushdie thing, that was, what, 30 years ago? When the Muslim population in the UK wasn't as large or as radical as it is now. He'd be thrown to the wolves today, don't, you, don't doubt it. And by the way, he'd have the, the, whoever kicked him out or threw him out would have the support of about 50% of the intellectual class who fancied themselves as very woke Islamophiles. All right, so where's Canada? We took 50,000 unvetted Muslim migrants from Syria. We're looking at taking more unvetted Muslim migrants from Burma. Will we take one Christian refugee, take her out of solitary confinement in Pakistan, where she's literally at risk of murder because of blasphemy laws and rioters? Well, surprisingly, maybe. Look at this headline. Canada in talks with Pakistan over possibly taking Asia BB. The story is from Dateline Paris. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said Monday that his government was holding talks with Pakistan over potentially offering asylum to Asia Bibi. A Christian woman recently freed from prison after her blasphemy conviction was overturned. We are in discussions with the Pakistani government, Trudeau said in an interview with AFP in Paris, where he was attending a peace conference organized by French President Emmanuel Macron. There is a delicate domestic context that we respect, which is why I don't want to say any more about that, but I will remind people Canada is a welcoming country, he said. Hmm. Could be. Or it could be that she's already en route to the Netherlands, so Trudeau doesn't mind saying so. Look at this story here. Bibi's lawyer, Seifel Maluk, fled to the Netherlands soon after the verdict, citing death threats. The Dutch government said on Thursday that it had offered him temporary shelter. On Friday, the Dutch government said in a statement that its embassy in Pakistan, which is in a tightly guarded diplomatic enclave, had temporarily halted issuing visas due to circumstances beyond our control. Who knows what that means? I'm guessing that thousands of angry Pakistanis threatened the Dutch embassy after they heard Asia Bibi was granted asylum there. Her lawyer fled to the Netherlands. Maybe she'll follow him there. At least she'll know someone. Or maybe she'll come to Canada. If so, she'll be well received by Canadians by Christians especially, and by many Muslims who want to live in a secular society, but not so much by our own Muslim extremists, by many of whom are from Pakistan. They'll hate her as a symbol. They'll hate that Canada would allow such an infidel, a blasphemer. She'll undoubtedly need security here to protect her from murder. Oh, and she'll probably need protection from Ikra Khalid too. After all, Khalid is bringing Pakistani-style censorship to our country. No doubt Asia Bibi means, beats the subjective definition of being an Islamophobe, don't you think? Stay with us for more. Millions of American, French, and Allied troops had fought with extraordinary skill and valor in one of the bloodiest conflicts in human history. We are gathered together at this hallowed resting place to pay tribute to the brave Americans who gave their last breath in that mighty struggle. That is U.S. President Donald Trump speaking. You could see the Eiffel Tower behind him in Paris, speaking along with other world leaders on the 100th anniversary of the end of hostilities of World War I. America joined World War I in 1917. The war was already three years in, but it did play a decisive role 
in ending the conflict, of course, Canada was a disproportionate uh, fighter there. And of course, to this day, we wear our poppies in remembrance of the sacrifice that Canadians made there. Uh, I thought Trump's remarks, as always, rose to the occasion. He's been a very strong supporter of both serving military and the veterans. He's made that a big emphasis of his, in particular contrast to the neglect or outright hostility shown to veterans in the military by his predecessor, Barack Obama. I, I thought Trump was on his best behavior, um, but boy, the media, as always, were looking for any drop of politics. Um, let me show you a quick clip of when Trump met with other leaders. He shook a few hands there. Uh, you can see, um, there he is arriving. Uh, there, were, there were dozens of world leaders. That's in, in Paris. He also went to an American cemetery. And then there's a, a clip of him, and I, I just want to show this just because it, it was sort of an awkward moment of when Trump took his place standing and he stood and shook the hands of several other world leaders, but not that of Justin Trudeau. So everyone was on their best behavior, more or less, but there was one little wrinkle, and I'm gonna get into that in a minute with our next guest, but as you could see, it was rainy there. And Trump and any US president moves around where possible in Marine One, which is the name of any helicopter that has the president. And when, when the helicopter travels with the president, it's actually one of a group of helicopters, and they move around sort of like a shell game, so you never know which helicopter the president himself is in. And when you're in France, obviously you have to be extremely careful. It's the land of jihad, and it's a land that America doesn't have full command and control of every uh, law enforcement agency, unlike how the president travels in the United States. So because it was rainy and foggy and there was low visibility, Marine One, Trump could not travel to a particular cemetery by helicopter. And the alternative to take him on the ground would have been two and a half hours each way in a motorcade, shutting down half of Paris and the environs. So Trump or his staff made the decision to go to an alternative cemetery, but the world's pundits mocked Trump. Let me just show you quickly. Here is the official statement put out by the White House explaining that Trump did not go to a particular cemetery because he couldn't get there in a timely way and it would be a great, um, it, it would discombobulate the the metropolitan area of Paris for five hours. But look at this, let me show you some criticism. I'm gonna bring in our guest in a second here. Here's John Kerry, the former Secretary of State, mocking Trump's decision. Let me just read it. President Donald Trump a no-show because of raindrops? Those veterans the president didn't bother to honor fought in the rain, in the mud, in the snow, and many died in the trenches for the cause of freedom. Rain didn't stop them, and it shouldn't have stopped an American president. That from the coward John Kerry. Of course, Trump didn't stop because of the weather. He just changed plans. And here's David Frum chiming in. It's not about the weather. And he later mocked the president, saying Trump didn't want to get his hair wet. Joining us now to talk about Trump, the other world leaders, and the criticisms is our friend Joe Warmington, the scrawler at the Toronto Sun. Great to see you in studio It's here. good to see you. I wonder if John Kerry would have gone for a fourth Purple Heart had he... Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Look, Donald Trump, you can blame him for a lot of things, Joe. He does a lot of things that make his allies sort of tense up. 
But you can't say that Donald Trump doesn't care about the vets. I don't think you can say even the things that you just said. You know, I don't think he says or does anything really wrong that I've seen. Um, he just tells the truth. And the truth is not with, you know, the, the other side. They're just going on and on about things. And they just don't like a guy that comes at it from a different perspective. But on this one, you know, they really, I mean, it is really low. And I would never, ever do something like that with Prime Minister Trudeau or whatever. When Marine won could not take him to the cemetery, which is 60 kilometers away, American Cemetery. Uh, that was the end of the story there. And then it says, well, let's have a plan B and all this kind of stuff. Well, plan B, when have you ever seen a president drive 60 kilometers on the road anywhere? Yeah. Let alone through the countryside in France, through all of Paris, where just last week they had a terror attack that they foiled on Macron. The, yeah. You know, don't think they didn't think of also perhaps yeah. something on the president. So. They really did cherry pick something, and it's it's actually stuck. I mean, you're the only one that will talk about it. Mm. I'm pretty well the only one on Twitter that mm. challenged John Kerry and yeah. David Frum from our friend, and uh, it goes on and on and on. But the reality is that wasn't fair. Yeah, I mean, the idea that Donald Trump, who flew all the way over to France, to do that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a six-hour flight or seven-hour flight, whatever it is. The idea that he just couldn't be bothered. He bothered enough to fly all the way over to Europe. Uh, the idea that this was some trivial decision by him that he didn't want to get his hair wet. Yeah. I like David Frum too, but he's such a never Trumper. He's gone over the top here. And he should know, because he worked not closely with George W. Bush, but he worked in the White House. And John Kerry should know. John Kerry, who wouldn't travel ever anywhere without a whole retinue of security, those guys politicized what should have been a non-political event. Right, and I think they took the story to a level where it went to which was a non-story turned into something. And they actually said, they, and they both did it, that the guy was a disgrace because he you know, left and did not care about the troops in, their, in the cemetery, the fallen. And I find that way worse than what Trump did, which was he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. And he wanted to go there. In yeah. fact, he saved lives, perhaps. You know, he knows about, you know, he has the intel reports about you know, the threats on him. And don't forget for one second that if a threat is on the president, it's on the Secret Service and on the people that work with the president. You know, he's cognizant of that. And also, you know, what uh, Sarah Sanders uh, said, the press secretary, that he made the decision that he did not want to shut Paris down for five hours mm -hmm. either because he has to go two and a half hours out there. They, the, the beast doesn't travel at 120 clicks. Right. It goes out in an entourage. Yeah. And then he would do what he needed to do in the cemetery and then drive back. They can't reopen it while he's out there. Yeah. So that would be unfair. So the whole story is a phony, another political hit job on the president. Yeah, the idea that the president of the United States would spend, I don't know, two, three, four, five hours just on a road and back, that's not how presidents operate in a foreign country that has perpetual jihadist attacks. I, I. There was a snipiness and a pettiness. They're trying to dent Trump on his strongest ground, which is his support for the military, his support for law enforcement, his support for veterans. And, and they did it on, on his patriotism, too. They've even taken that, you've seen in the speeches, that patriotism is, it's not patriotism to be nationalist. Well, let me show yeah. you this, because to me, Trump was on his best behavior. You know, yeah. some people say there's good Trump and then there's rowdy Trump. This was good Trump. This was scripted. This was, he was on his best he behavior. He was a statesman. Yeah. And, and John, I mean, David Frum's a pundit, but John Kerry, 
former Secretary of State should know better. But look at Emmanuel Macron, who politicizes. Here's a tweet that Emmanuel Macron wrote first in French, and then he felt the need to translate it into English. This is his own translation. You know, sometimes we show you foreign tweets and we translate them um, using software. This is Emmanuel Macron. This was written, translated, and published in English. Why? Obviously, at, to prick and poke Trump. Let me read it to you. Patriotism is the exact opposite of nationalism. Nationalism is a betrayal of patriotism. By putting our own interests first with no regard for others, we erase the very thing that a nation holds dearest and the thing that keeps it alive, its moral values. That doesn't even make any sense. It no. doesn't even make any logical coherence. But by the way, just because I thought that can't be right, because patriot, I, I know a tiny bit about etymology. I like words. Patriot comes from... Uh, the, the Latin word for, for father, uh, patron, paternity, uh, pa uh, your, your fatherland, and nationalism comes from the word for being born, natal. Uh, that's the same thing. Your fatherland, the that's land politics. you were born, it's the same thing. That's gobbledygook, it's junk, it's confused thinking, and it's a weird political attack on Trump. It is, and he don't forget that he started this whole thing by saying that they were, you know, going to create a European army, which would be the first time in history they ever stuck up for themselves in France anyway. Yeah. If it wasn't for Canada and America and Great Britain, I mean, what would France be? Yeah. And so that was insulting. And then he was talking about that to protect from Russia and from the U.S. That's the crazy thing is Macron, and they're talking about a European army. Macron would, that tweet would have been in German, if not for America. 70 years ago. Well, that's a good point, too. But I think this whole business of, you know, they talk about populism and nationalism. And, you know, you're at the, at the sort of epicenter of that in the media here in North America, where they say they're trying to make those dirty words. They always take, the left always take words that are perfectly fine as they are, and they make them into something that they want it to be. It's smart politics. Look at, they're hammering this guy, and, you know, the president's walking down the line, and he's arguing with the very reporters he has no respect for. I mean, you wonder why he would even waste his time doing that because they're not really important. He makes them important. And so the, what he should be doing, in my opinion, is to get past all that and get focused on the very things that matter, which is his agenda. And his agenda is America first. Yeah. And, you know, you saw that here. We went through it with the free trade agreement. And that's interesting, too, how they, you know, they had that kind of look between each other because there's more going on there that meets the eye because Prime Minister Trudeau's speech, Ezra, was very similar yeah. to Macron's. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was strange. You know, I was just thinking, uh, the word, our own national anthem, O Canada, our home and native land, native is the same root as nation. We're going to have to change that? And true we patriot, we it so we have both home and native land yeah. and true patriot love. It's the same thing. You've got to get those words out, yeah, Justin. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's, not a, it's just so weird, and it doesn't make any sense. It's just this, it's a pettiness. And, and America still defends Europe, and America defends us here in Canada. And the only reason we can fool around and buy secondhand F-18s from Australia and, and treat our military so poorly is because we know America is there to backstop us. And Europe is even worse. And they're talking about having a military and will fight against anyone, including America. It's folly. It's like a tantrum by a child. And Trump could easily come back to Macron, who made that comment about, you know, the patriotism and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And say, well, then pay up at NATO. Like, pay your pay your percent. Yeah, if you're if you're so yeah. patriotic, why are you relying on a foreign country to pay? You know, it's it, it's it's so frustrating. 
Um, but it's also a lie joke because Macron and the entire French idea is a patriotic nationalism. And, and That's true. Sometimes, Trudeau flip-flops all the time. Sometimes he actually claims there are Canadian values. He might say they're even embodied in the charter. He talks about Canadianism. He tries to own that. So he likes to own the Canadian nation when it suits him. And then he disparages it when He's we got a big Trudeau has a big problem as well, is that he saw himself as kind of the foil to the president. But now it's kind of Macron and Merkel's kind of taking a bit yeah. of a backseat to it. I, I must say, though, I think that if you take that speech out of it and talk, talk about Prime Minister Trudeau, I think he did pretty well over there this weekend. And I wanted to say that he went to Vimy and I was very proud of that. Mm -hmm. And I think he did well uh, last year as well. So you're right. He is kind of complicated. I, I, I don't understand, you know, this whole th thing about Canada wanting to be closer to Europe than it does to the United States when it's booming. You know, here's the, the center of this whole thing, too, is that and I believe this to be true, what I'm going to say now. I think that what's at stake here is the, that whole left-right thing that, I'm not saying that they're Marxist, but they've got that kind of socialist mentality, that the, the state's kind of it. And Trump is obviously opposite to that, but he's also getting results, Ezra. Yeah. You're starting to see African-Americans and Hispanics that are starting to thrive and look around and go, hey, wait a minute, I yeah. can do this. And of course, that is death yeah. to the socialist yeah. thinking because yeah. they want they want everything in a box yeah. and they want the purse strings controlled by them. Yeah. They have to do this to Trump. Yeah. And that's why they're going at him. I don't know why David Frum would do it, yeah. but you know the, the whole thing is funded with tax dollars if you look at it. And um, if I were President Trump, what I would have said to the Macron quote about the army is, we're gonna pull, thank you, yeah. good for you, you got this pull all the American troops out of Europe and all other parts of the world with the exception of, you know, the interest in Saudi Arabia and Israel and places like that that, that you can't. There actually uh, are no uh, American troops in Saudi Arabia or Israel, which is interesting. Well, but they're not too far away. Right, and, yeah. And uh, they're ready to help if needed. Yeah, so. and both those countries are desperately grateful to it. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff, you know, it, it's, um, I, I think Trump, it, to me the big story of the weekend is the reality of Trump doing a good job versus the media perception of he was an unpatriotic disaster. Well, I heard that today. They said he was a disgrace. And he went over there. So he went over there for the troops, but he gets to come back to he disgraced the yeah, country yeah. when that's not true. That's why no one believes And it's just like, the, you know, we haven't talked about it, but the Jim Acosta business, and you've, you've done a good job of showing that. I mean, the reality is that, I mean, it's not the biggest deal all the time, but Acosta did cause it. Try to go to any news conference, whether it's chief... Saunders uh, here in Toronto, or if you go to Prime Minister Trudeau anywhere, yeah. and ask four questions and argue with them, yeah. and see how long you get to do it for. Yeah, good point. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So try that at the CNN annual general meeting as a shareholder. The kick out. Is so, there shareholders of CNN? Yeah, I, I maybe you should get some of them here. For yeah, the that's right. <laughs> maybe they want to make some money. <laughs> Joe, it's great to see you. Thanks very much for being on the show. Good to be here. Welcome back on my monologue Friday about Remembrance Day, Norbert writes, I want to thank Ezra for once again bringing this issue forward. An excellent shanty song. Always love the poem. Thanks. Yeah, you know, um, I, I like the poem too. Obviously, Flanders Fields, a great poem. Um, I, I like the Tommy Atkins one because it's a little, little more, well, what do we do now? 
you know, what do we actually do for veterans? And that, that song by the Dreadnoughts, uh, their version of what Johnny will happen to you, a little sad, a little sad uh, in a different way. Um, I don't know, you tell me if you think it's an anti-war song. Barb writes, it is the Canadian public that must demand better government treatment for our currently serving military and all military veterans. The joined voices of Canadians who respect and appreciate Canada's military veterans must learn to all yell together to make sure governments can no longer undermine the defenders of our freedom. You're right. Uh, we have detected amongst veterans groups a shyness because they are often reliant on the government for funding, for access or approval. So they're sort of conditioned. They're obedient. Uh, I think that's fine most of the time. Most of the times, veterans and their families should have a normal, healthy working relationship with the government, but there should be a bad cop, too. There should be some organization that doesn't care if Justin Trudeau or Harjit Sajjan or Seamus O'Regan blacklists them because they don't care. Their loyalty is first and only to the vets. I don't know if we have a group like that in Canada. Stephen writes, Trudeau found $41 million to give to Afghanistan for its veterans. $2 million for an Afghan hospital, $2 billion for public low-income housing in India, $600 million for third-world abortions, $15 million for the Aga, billionaire Aga Khan, $45 million for the disgraced Clinton Foundation, $2 billion to help fight climate change international, but not a nickel for our troops, veterans, or Canadians in general. Stephen, your statistics look uh, at first blush to be accurate to me. It's very frustrating. Um, you could add to that, of course, the 10 million bucks a pop he gives to Omar Khadr and at least three other terrorists or terrorist suspects, too. I think, um, I think he just comes at things from an alienist point of view. What does that mean? I'm not sure if that's a real word. I've heard it used by Peter Brimelow. Uh, an alienist is the opposite of a nativist. Um, Donald Trump is America first. Uh, maybe Justin Trudeau is Canada last. So an alienist, opposite of a nativist, would put someone else's cause ahead of his own country, would take the enemy's point of view as opposed to his own countrymen's point of view. An alienist is someone who would say, we really ought to listen to ISIS returnees. They have a powerful voice we could all learn from. As opposed to saying, no, no, we're going to side with our military vets. I think Justin Trudeau takes the side of the other, which is interesting in some philosophical debates, but when it comes to life and death and terrorism and war, it's not interesting, it's disloyal. That's the show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom.